<clears throat> so we need to talk about how we're gonna how do we introduce and stuff again. Yeah, we're gonna do names. Let's see like something Matthew. Hello, welcome to Talking in the Chasm. I'm Felix, I'm Matthew. Today we're going to talk about... Alright, so we say... Hello, welcome to Talking in the Chasm. Um, compassionate, controversial conversation between best friends. Holy man. An atheist. An atheist. <laughs> I'm Felix. And I'm Matthew. Sweet, so what are we, uh, what are we talking about today? Today, we want to look at the ugly stuff. Dive right in. Dive right in. We want to talk about abortion. Nice. All right. Um, and we don't have any notes, so... Nope, just off the cuff. We're just going to make it up as we go. I'm a pro-choice kind of guy. And I'm pro-life. Yeah. I'm anti-life, you know? <laughs> screw, screw life. What's that about? Well, I, when I was young, they, it, it was very common to call the position anti-abortion. And somewhere along the way... The PR team got a hold of it and said yeah, that was not. Yeah, they sure did. That didn't sell well. Because pro-life is tough to. Tough to argue. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> who's not pro-life? <laughs> should we how should we start why well let's start with uh, how we feel okay all right um, you're you've actually uh, just from from knowing you and talking to you you've based quite a lot of your life's decisions on whether or not uh, it has affected uh, abortion as far as like you know re whether research was done on fetuses and stuff like that uh, if you find that medication has been has been uh, discovered because of its Oh, yeah. Use of fetuses and stuff, and that, that factors into your... Yeah, there's vaccines and other medicines that use, that use aborted fetal cell lines. And I'm not, uh, just to be clear, I, I, it's, not that, it's not that I think that there's aborted tissue actually in those things, but they're derived from cell lines that came from abortions. So, yeah, that does factor into the morality for us of, of, of using certain vaccines in particular. And and would apply to medicines as well. I think. Um, I mean, it's straight up for you, abortion is murder. It is murdering a human being. Yeah, okay. and I I think that's one of the things that actually puts some civility into the discourse, whether or not you accept that premise. It has to be clear that anyone who would accept that premise has to feel strongly about it. Like well, if someone sure. believes it's killing a baby, right then you have to feel strongly about it. And yes. you would have to do anything you could to try to stop it. I mean... Right. Within whatever personal limits you ascribe right. to that Right. I mean, of, I'm, I'm anti-capital punishment. Uh-huh. Big time. Like, you know, I think that's absolutely horrible. But I'm not going to break into a prison where they do that and try to cut the wires and stop it from happening and using everything that I... You know, you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. I'll vote against it or whatever. Sure. Um, and I will tell people that I disagree wholeheartedly. Yeah. But, um, you know, as far as my 
active, actively doing something physically outside in the world to change people's opinions, that's where it gets a little dicey, you know, yeah. with abortion clinics and, and, uh, and I've done know, that. bombing clinics. Oh, I haven't done that. Yeah. <laughs> I, have, I have protested outside of abortion clinics, and I've certainly been part of public demonstrations in, in um, advocating against abortion. I think, um, and it comes from that conviction that this is, these are babies that we're talking about, and that, that that really supersedes everything else in the argument that we're talking about ending the lives of, of, of children. Right. So what I guess that's, that's obviously the bottom line of the debate. So, so if, if someone like me says to you, well, it's killing a child and that's indefensible for any other reasons, what do you say to that? Well, to that I say, you know, and this is the, the big question, right? Where does life begin, right? Does it begin at conception? Does it begin uh, once the child is born? Does it begin once the child is breathing? Um, you know, uh, does it begin when the heart beats? I mean, you know, that, and this is more of a philosophical question. Uh -huh. This isn't a scientific, here's where it is and here's where it isn't. I mean, uh -huh. you know, um, so for me... I, I, I don't think of a fetus as, as, as alive, really, until it's outside and, and has its own entity. Um, what that, about that's, Well, that's, that's one thing. But the other thing... Um, well, sorry? Pain? What about feeling pain? Um, a nervous system that would react to pain? Yeah, I mean... Like there's a heartbeat at three weeks, sucking thumbs at right. nine weeks. No, I, I get that. And I... My thing is I don't really have a problem with death. I mean, we kill cows and chickens, and they have feelings and heartbeats, and, uh -huh. you know, I mean, you know, what, what, when I look at it as, um, the, as people who, who decide to get an abortion, and, and I've never really been in this situation, so, I mean, I, yeah. it's very difficult for me to put myself in the, in the shoes of somebody who feels like they have no way out. But for somebody who feels like they are not able to handle a child, they're probably right. And so many people have children who shouldn't have children, and that's part of what makes the world miserable, yeah. is, is these children who uh, are mistreated and abused and in horrible situations, uh, or even in just really bad situations. I mean, some of them manage to pull through you know um, some of them don't so for me it's a more of a quality of life thing it's like is this child going to um, have a life worth living is the mother going to be able to raise this child if not do we force her to do that or do we force her to have a child and then give it up and then wonder for the rest of her life what's 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 up with this you know where's this child what's going on um, I mean I you know I wish that you could have a test before you become a parent, you mm -hmm. know, that here's, you know, <laughs> here's an empathy test and here's, you know, communications test and, and all the things that you would have to have to do to really be an effective parent, uh, then we really wouldn't have very many problems in this world. Um, so my, 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 my big concern is the quality of life for that child. So let me ask some questions about that. 
I know lots of people who have endured abuse in hard situations and most of them don't want to be dead. H how does that how does that square with that rationale? And, and secondly, what makes an unborn child unique in that regard? Like, does it make sense then to kill people who are poor or who are homeless or who endure uh, trauma or... Well, I mean, part of the human condition is that we try to survive. Uh -huh. I mean, I would, there's very few people in the world who would rather be dead. Mm -hmm. at the moment. Um, Doesn't so, that speak to the value of life? Well, I mean, you know, you could say, sure, that, that the idea, the goal is to just keep the heart beating at, at, at any cost for as long as we possibly can. Is that, is that the goal? Um, you know, I've, if a mother, a woman, has decided that she does not want to have a child and becomes pregnant and is uh, just can't do it, is unable to, before that child is born, if she makes that decision not to go through and raise a child that she doesn't want or is unable to do, uh, unable to, then I think that, you know, should be her right. It's almost like saying, um, you know, we don't have the right to end a life because it's inconvenient for us. Okay, so for instance, you know, a pro-life kind of stance would be, well, because it's convenient for the mother, is murder okay? Mm -hmm. You know, because it's, she would have a hard time raising the child, so it's okay to, to, that we murder something. And, you know, there's a philosophical argument that's, that says, let's say that you, somebody knocks you out, and you wake up, and you're chained to a person who needed a kidney or something and you're you've got a tube that's going out of you into that person and you are keeping that person alive mm -hmm. chained to him do you owe it to life to spend the rest of your life chained to this person to make sure that he's alive i mean because if you were to say i didn't ask for this i don't want to be here i'm going to force myself out of this situation and that guy's going to die i mean you know, it, what's the what's the answer to that? Well, there's a few problems with the analogy. In almost all cases, we choose whether or not there's a child. Um, not every case, but in almost all cases, we're respon de directly responsible for that child's coming to be. So there's a there's a shared responsibility there. And secondly, it's not a lifelong thing. And th and Thirdly, there's other options. The question is whether or not abortion, taking that life and causing it to cease, is better than the other alternatives, like abortion or like being inconvenienced or like, because it's a it's a moral equivalency. What's worse, to to endure nine months with that child or to cause that life to cease? I think when I analyze that moral conundrum life is more valuable than inconvenience. In the proposition you're talking about, I don't know I don't know how to evaluate that. It's a different it's a whole different set of circumstances. Right, but philosophically it's the same thing. Do is your convenience more important than than killing someone? And 
maybe that that example is ex is totally extreme, but that's what philosophy is about. It's <laughs> like let's push it all the way to the very end, and how far does it go? You know, because you can't say it's okay here, but not okay there. If that's if it's a you know a, well, you can't a code not, with which you live. You can't say you you can't say it if they're morally equivalent, and I don't I don't know that the two are equivalent. I I think what what is hard for me in the case of of trying to make sense of the of the pro-choice argument is that I I understand my own prejudices I understand my own uh, at least I try to my own convictions about about the the preciousness of life coming from God um, but the thing that really disturbs me about the idea of abortion is that it's tantamount to a lot of other really ugly things that we've done as people. When we decide that a certain set of our species is not really people, that that leads to really horrible things. In Dred Scott, uh, when a, an, African, an African enslaved person is three-fifths of a person for for census taking or declared by the court as not a human, that's really, really bad stuff. Right. When the Jews defend the slaughter of, uh, when the Nazis defend the slaughter of the Jews as they're not humans, they're rats. And we do the same thing with the unborn when we say that they're not really humans worthy of life. And that's the philosophical conundrum that bothers me the most, more than convenience, more than the attachment right. between mother and child. I mean, I, I think the main question is, what is life? That's the main question. Because you sex with prophylactics, is that okay? Because life hasn't, because life hasn't happened yet? I mean, is life the joining of the sperm and the egg? Is that what life is? Because... You know, in in vitro well, fertilization, that. and in vitro fertilization, they they fertilize lots and lots and lots of eggs, knowing that they're going to throw away ninety percent mm -hmm. of them because you know, they're not all going to take or whatever. Actual fertilized eggs, like mm -hmm. you know, living mm -hmm. things, are going to you know, um, because that's the only way that we've been able to, to figure it out. Mm -hmm. um, what's your thought on that? I mean, well, somebody really wants a baby; they want their own natural baby. And so they fertilize 50 eggs, and uh, they get one baby out of it, and they get 49 uh, fertilized eggs that get thrown away. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I don't like the idea. I, I mean, I, I I don't know how I I don't know how what the minimum bar for life is, but there seems like there's some there's certainly some indices after the minimum that are pretty clear like n like brain activity like a beating heart like uh what is it for you well like where's that line where, because i don't alive or not alive? because i don't because i can't discern it i i just put it at conception if there's conception if the, the if there's a joining between an egg and a sperm that's life and so and then the destruction of fertilized eggs would be a problem, yeah. Is a problem. So yeah. in vitro fertilization for you is a big problem. Yeah. You just don't have kids. Yeah, or adopt. Yeah. Um All right. Um Well, I I think it's worth f for me to describe why <clears throat> from religious 
reasons for philosophical and religious reasons why life is is worth the consideration that it is and these things are all completely subjective my own, to my own perspective I, I don't i don't know that they'll resonate with somebody that doesn't have my biases but from my perspective there's a very interesting story and it it doesn't get discussed in this in this conversation very much but um there's a very interesting story about jesus he um he had some really good friends in Bethany, and their names were Mary and Martha and Lazarus. They were brothers and sisters. And um, they were very close friends of his. And one time, uh, somebody came to Jesus, and he was with all of his guys, and, he, and they said, your friend Lazarus is sick. And he says, okay. And they start headed to Bethany. Well, there was two ways to go. There was a short way and a quick way. It took the long way, and halfway there, Jesus tells his disciples, Lazarus sleeps as a euphemism for his dead. And they didn't get it. They said, well, if, if he sleeps, that's good. Like, that's what you need to do when you're sick. And he says, no, Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad for your sakes that the glory of God would be revealed. Okay, so he knows before he even gets there, something's going to happen. So then he gets there, and when he's on the edge of the town, Martha hears, I don't remember if it was Mary or Martha, one of the sisters hears, and she runs to him at the city gates, and they, he, she, she starts crying. Because they believed in Jesus as the healer, as, as the miracle maker. And she says, I know if you would have been here, Lazarus would be alive. And he says to her, do you believe that you'll see your brother? And she says, yes, Lord, in the resurrection. And he says, I am the resurrection and the life. And then he goes and he sees the other sister and they say, take me to the tomb. And the shortest verse in the Bible is the next verse. It says, Jesus wept. And why does he cry? He, he, he knows that what's going to happen. He's already prophesied it in the past, and, and what's about to happen is he's going to raise Lazarus from the dead. But he stands outside of a tomb, and he weeps. It says that he groaned in his spirit. Like, it's not just, like, shed a tear. He was distraught. Mm -hmm. And the point to the story for me is that, uh, along with a bunch of other things, he does go, and he says, Lazarus, come forth, and Lazarus comes out of the tomb, and he's alive from the dead. It's incredible. But the point of the story for me is this, that, that Jesus in his whole ministry has one enemy, and it's death. Because death is not a part of the original creation. Death comes through sin. When Adam and Eve choose to rebel against God, that's when death comes into the world. And Jesus' whole gig, his whole point for being, is to unseat death. That's the enemy. And that creates for me a holistic view that's always in favor of life, that always prefers life to the alternative. Whether it's abortion or capital punishment or euthanasia, life is always preferable because death is the enemy. And so that's like a status quo position for me. and I think for conscientious Christians that are trying to be holistic about the way they think about, about all of these issues. So 
that's not a political position, right? It's not like, right. it's not something that you can undo. It's not, it, the root of that comes back to where life originates, com, com, where life comes from, and, and death as its opposition, and always being against the opposite. Right. Well, so there was no death until there was sin. And it's interesting because scientifically, um, you can say that uh, there's no death unless there's sex, right? Because asexual reproduction is just a creature that just divides and divides and divides. Mm -hmm. It never dies. It's just, you know, that's how it goes. It's not until we have sexual reproduction that we have death and uh, using the continuation of the genes. And, you know, uh, death is what makes... Um, that possible, right? That, that makes uh, uh, genetics and evolution possible is this this death. And what we did is we traded sex for death, mm -hmm. right? So you, it's just interesting how there's that sort of correlation. That you could say, well, sin, mm -hmm. you know, sex as sin. Um, there wasn't death until that that happened, but there is death now, and death is here. And this is part of what I don't understand about religion and God is, you know, did not God make death? You know, um, death is part of this world and um, he made the world and mm -hmm. everything in it. And, you know, so for everything to be in opposition of death just seems a little crazy since that's part of the plan. I mean, it's part of what happens in, this, in life. It's part of what we experience. I would say that it wasn't a part of the plan, and it won't be a part of the plan in the future. That so the you resurrection... believe that there's like a spirit that keeps on yeah. you know, after death. You will keep on after death. Yeah. So my question to you is, why did you then start, you know, 40-something years ago? How old are you? 41. 41. So 41 years ago is when you started? Yeah. And, then, and now you're here forever. That's yeah. forever and ever. Well, um, why why wouldn't you have just kind of always been there forever? I mean, just philosophically, the word forever is never ending, but it sort of can never begin either because forever well, is... Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Uh, uh, <laughs> Getting off topic. Yeah, a little, a little bit, bit off but, topic. Yeah. <laughs> that's but that's what we do. can begin and then not end. That to, to not end is not to imply never having begun. I don't think that's a. I don't think those things are the same statement. Well, I I, I think, you know, and we'll talk about this later. But similar to, you cannot have nothing and something. Uh huh. Because nothing, is implies that there is no there is nothing. So if you have something, then you can't have nothing. Mm -hmm. It's one or the other, and that's sort of how forever is. It's it's to have a beginning is to have a finite, you know. It's, they're, they're, here's the beginning and then then we go on well forever would mean we go on in all directions that's what forever is so there can't really be a beginning if you talk about forever as having no end and being infinite you know what I mean so I, I don't know that I agree with the premise but but no. but there's other possible resolutions maybe what's in me that's eternal comes from God maybe that's the breath of God in every life maybe that's what happens at conception and maybe that's a piece of him that is from forever that would so, be a, a resolution to the same dilemma well let me ask you this now when we talk about um, death um, 
you are okay with animals dying. Mm -hmm. But God breathed life into that cow, and that cow is alive and feels pain, and, and you know, and in many cases, I mean, we don't understand most of, mm -hmm. of animal life, but we certainly, you know, we're always like, oh my gosh, chimpanzees mourn their dead, and they, you know, elephants um, cry, and they have funerals, and, you know, dogs sit on graves. At what point is it not okay to kill? Well, similarly, there wasn't death in the animal world as part of the original creation either, and there won't be in the future. Like the in the second advent when Jesus returns, there's not death anymore there either. And in fact, the prophecies talk about the pacification of the animal world, that the wolf will lay down with the lamb, that the animosity between the animal kingdom even is ceased under the peace of, of Jesus' return. So, at least in, in imagery context, that's, that's a, a past and a future resolution. We're in a parenthetical phase uh, after the fall. The original creation doesn't have that animosity even in the animal world and the future epoch. The, the eschaton is what we call it. doesn't have that animosity either. There is something qualitatively different, though, in, in human life um, all the way back to the beginning from a Christian worldview. A man has, in, in, in the creation narrative, man has the breath of God himself. So the animals are formed, created, but the distinction between the animal kingdom and man is that man has that eternal capacity, that breath of God in him. That's how he comes, that's how he becomes animate, is through the direct application of God's pneuma, same word for spirit, into the proto-man, Adam. And so the differences that we see between man and the animal kingdom, whether it's our capacity for language or emotion, and I know that, that uh, animals have a lower form of uh, language and emotion, but those distinctions that we see between man and the animal kingdom, which I'm guessing from your worldview are a lot more blurry. Right, I mean, I, you know, there's no certainly distinction. a mosquito is very different than an orangutan. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, as the brain just gets more and more sophisticated, um, at some point you're going to say, okay, well, from this point of sophistication onward, we don't kill. It's morally unacceptable to kill. And then from this point of sophistication below, we can't. I've never really asked you this, but do you believe in an, in an evolution? Like, do you believe that there was a change in the shape of the skeleton of man and that, that, that you know, we, yeah. the Cro-Magnon and all that stuff and how we, you know, we're... I, I don't believe in an evolution of species. I believe that the species were created by God distinct. So birds were birds, fish right. were fish. And how horses do, were horses. And how do you sort of square with, you know, the fossil evidence of there being in between? Well, things? I don't. I, I I haven't I haven't invested much. My my main uh, my main um, pause in regards to that theory is that, um, and I don't. I, I just don't know. I don't know how. I don't know much about it at all. And. I'm ignorant about a, a whole lot of things, and that's one of them. But but my main, my real main objection to evolution are, are two spiritual laws. One is the law of sowing and reaping. There's a Bible verse that says, and I know this is a silly thing to pull out as an argument, but 
that which a man that which a man sows also shall he reap. And this idea of sowing and reaping that seed bears fruit after its own kind, that a, 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 a grape is always a grape, an orange is always an orange, that there's this distinction of species is a part of the world as I know it. And I, that matches my very tiny perspective of the world because it's the way everything is. So stretching back into the past <clears throat> where I don't have access, where I don't have first-hand information, I don't, I, I don't know what the fossil record implies. I don't know where it is. I've not studied anthropology, or uh, 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 not anthropology, it's study man. Whatever, I haven't studied dinosaur bones, I haven't studied the geological record. Paleontology. Paleontology, there you go. But the other thing is that um, this principle of death being, being happening from, um, from transgression, that that's the beginning of the world as it pertains to death and so the, the, if the creation narrative has any bearing, whatever it is, what, whatever the mythological truth is behind that story, there's, a, there's an epoch where everything is new, where death isn't a part, and then death becomes. What happened, is, is that the billions of years? I don't know, there are people that, that talk about, in Christian circles, the, the, there's a few different versions that people hold of trying to imply truth in the creation narrative and modify it in different parameters. So, for instance, there are the most literal, which are like the young earth creationists, people who believe that the earth is very young and that there's a complete distinction of species. There are people who are old earth but believe in a distinct creation, so there are eons from before the creation narrative where the earth is evolving. And, and perhaps for some people the animals are evolving and man becomes a special creation at a certain point in time and then human history begins. And then there are people who just see like a theistic origin to evolutionary premise. All of those are within Christian thought. People, different people hold all those views. I, I'm prone personally to, to the more literal views not even based on the text, based on on the philosophical problem of death. That that if you have if you have death before the fall, then the creation isn't what the Bible makes it out to be. So whatever death comes happens after the fall and after man exists. But that's a so that's a biblically oriented worldview. It's probably not very satisfying to you. Well, no, I mean, you know, what what I find so, why I'm a scientist rather than uh, a religious uh, person, really is that um, I mean, all of my my views are basically evidence based, right? I've seen this thing, and so therefore I, I believe it. And the cool thing about science is that it encourages uh, doubt. Mm -hmm. You know. It, it's like here's the theory, tear it apart, man. You know, let's keep going until it until it uh, until you prove me wrong, right? Until, until you prove the theory wrong. And what I like about science is that because 
there can be no proving that God doesn't exist, then the, the two are not mutually exclusive. Mm -hmm. One day science may find out that that there's a God, mm -hmm. you know, or whatever. And I, I just like that that idea that the science is kind of is always open. Um, but I think getting back to the abortion thing, the science and philosophy are two different um, different um, disciplines. disciplines. I mean, you know, scientifically you could say that there's, I can't remember from my biology class, there were like seven things to, 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 uh, to say that something's alive. It has to grow, it has to reproduce, it has to metabolize, it has to... Uh, eat and whatever, um, you know, and and so the scientists could then apply just those things to you know a fetus. You know, okay, what what doesn't the fetus do that that you know that that all these you know that obeys these rules? Mm -hmm. um, but you know, and and you're going to keep going back until there is something that doesn't jive with the with you know what scientifically uh, the scientific de definition of life so the philosophy is you know what is life and where does it begin and I think that's that's the problem I mean when I, I think, think if of we would... when I think of what is life I, I, I think of cows and cats and, and humans as being very similar and um, you know when I was a child I had a real hard time with it I had a hard time accepting that things have to die in order for me to live, and that's that's the truth. If, if, if I want to continue living the next minute, things are have to die for that to happen. Had a tough time with it, and I finally sort of come to terms with that. Um, and I feel you know vegetarians say, oh, it's you know we're not going to kill animals. It's okay to kill plants. My feeling towards that is well. You don't understand how a plant works, right? You don't look at a tree and see the big eyes and see the lungs and go, oh, okay, this is, I understand that, so therefore, you know, I, I can relate. You can relate to a cow, so therefore I'm not going to kill it because it makes me feel bad because it, I would feel bad if somebody killed me. Because you don't understand a tree doesn't make it not alive, you know? And so if it's okay to kill a tree and it's, it's not okay to kill, you know, wherever you draw that line is arbitrary. It's completely arbitrary to say, oh, I believe that above this is, 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 is okay to kill and below this it's not okay to kill or, or you know, for me, this, this is what a human needs this in order to be considered alive. You know, a, a chimpanzee, you know, as far, you know until we, we learn that it, that it doesn't dream or you know, uh -huh. there's something about a chimpanzee that we're going to be able to pinpoint and say, okay, here's the difference between a chimpanzee and a human being. Um, because we keep ha we keep having to move that, right? We're like, oh, they don't have language. Turns out they do. Oh, they don't make tools. It turns out they do. Oh, you know, we're, we're constantly having to change our our idea mm -hmm. of what is the difference between animals and and man, right? And and my contention is that man is an animal. Um, and 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 therefore, for me to to say that it's okay for things to die. That means all things. It means I am absolutely for um, euthanasia. If you feel like you don't want to live and you're, you're, you're miserable and you are in pain and you don't want to live anymore, that, that's, that's on you. It's totally up to you, and I, I applaud it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I don't know, I hate to say pro-suicide, but, you know, that's, 
that's how I feel. You know, I, I don't have a problem. I have a problem. The only reason I have a problem with capital punishment is because I don't like the idea of my taking your life, right? Mm -hmm. Of my saying, um, I'm going to kill you. Like, uh, if the government says it's not okay to kill people, and then in order to prove that they kill people, it's just this weird conundrum. You know, it's either it's going to be okay to kill people or it's not going to be okay to kill people. And the thing about abortion is, where where is it that we're people? And maybe you could say the same thing about serial killers. Yeah. You know, is that a, is a, is that a, they don't have, a, they don't feel empathy. Uh -huh. So maybe is that part of being a person? Uh, you know? Well, uh, it's interesting to push the line towards how early does life begin. But I think we can push back the other way as well and say, like, there's procedures... I don't know if you've ever looked into it. It's horrifying what they do in abortions. Like, at the extreme end, partial birth abortion, where they birth half of a baby and then impale it in the base of its skull. It would be perfectly viable outside of the womb. And it's literally just infanticide. They're just killing a baby. Mm -hmm. And, like, so is that okay? Is that, where's the line the other way? Like, how far can life advance? What, if we're, can we at least, could we at least say, if you're going to be causing pain, I, I listened to a lecture of a guy talking about the Roe versus Wade case. Interesting things about, you know, that McCormick girl, I think that was her name, the, the girl that was Roe, um, she actually had her baby and she actually, uh, she worked in an abortion clinic for quite a while and then quit and became a part of the pro-life movement. Um, so it's kind of a fascinating reversal there. But the um, we're one of the few developed countries that has abortions after 14 weeks, at least according to this lecture. Uh, there were four countries. Um, it was China, North Korea, Canada, and the U.S. And, and that's, like, if there's going to be abortion, which I'm opposed to, could we at least be at the place where right. if you're causing pain to another organism, another human, that with a developed neural system, that that's horrifying? Right. I mean, you know, the answer for me is yes. You know, that that's the discussion that we have is, you know, let's, you know, how far along until we, you know, I mean, that, that that's what I'm talking about for as far as like what what's life. For me, partial birth is, is, is a, a creature that is alive. Um, so right, I don't like the, the idea of, of you having a child in a toilet and strangling it. I mean, yeah. you know, uh, no, I don't like the idea. Should a fourteen-year-old girl that does that be put the rest of her life in prison for murder? No, oh, that's a whole different. Question. You know, we'll get there, but uh, <laughs> but uh, so you know, you know, it's not something that we're going to solve because of the fact that that you have to make a decision. Where does life? What is life? Where does it begin? And then, um, you know, how how important is the convenience of the person who is uh, who is uh, having this this child? And when I say convenience, I mean it in the most extreme sense. I mean, you know, it could be a life of misery. It could be a life of multiple miseries, and, mm -hmm. and uh, um, you know, it could be a great thing. I've, I've, you know, you've, you've heard lots of people that have had abortions and then just gone, man, I wish, I wish I had. I knew what that creature looked like. But what you don't hear is, on the other hand, you, there's lots of people that have babies that go, man, if I could go back in time and not have this child, I, I, 
I would. Yeah. I, yeah. I think what what emerges between our worldviews is how, what what kind of value to ascribe to life. So, from my perspective, whether you're talking about the front or the back end of life, you know, if you're talking about abortion, if you're talking about suicide, if you're talking about euthanasia, I'm always imploring life, life, life. Let's let's keep life alive because, and I'm just trying to diagnose my own my own biases here, because I see life as some kind of divine spark, right. some kind of attribute from the creator. I, I see it as a electric whittling of cells. You know what I mean? It's uh-huh. like I, I, I just I don't believe in a spirit and a soul and a, you know I don't think we should torture monkeys. Uh, well, however <laughs> however you know, my mother's, my, my wife's father uh, had open heart surgery and lived another 30 years because of the techniques that were uh, developed, with, developed animal with animal testing. And in fact, my brother is a, is a research scientist working uh, uh, right now with animals, you know, he's, uh, and he's working on curing diseases that we want cured. So... You know, it's like, yeah. So what's the what's the closest to common ground that we can find, given our differences of worldview and our differences of, of evaluation of what we call life? Well, I mean, I, I think that we both agree we don't want humans to suffer uh-huh. and, and be in pain. Um, and, you know, I, I think... That I could certainly buy into a, you know, this week, this many weeks of gestation we're going to call life. Um, so, you know, I think the common ground is going to be, you know, how much time has, has elapsed. I mean, yours is, uh-huh. is zero. Uh-huh. Um, so then, then, and from, from so that that's kind of like looking from a judicial legislative position, but maybe from a practical perspective for people like me and people like you, the common ground to address what what is objectionable to everybody would be better recourse for people that are pushed into uncomfortable situations. How do we absolutely how, how do we help women not feel absolutely so let me let me talk about what Chloe's doing. Chloe's leaving on the thirteenth, my my second daughter. She's leaving for Africa, and the dynamics of the situation in Uganda, in in Kampala, where our sister community is. That's both. There's a few Americans there, but it's it's African. Um, the dynamics there is that I feel like Western good intentions, in part, and imperialism, in part, have pushed a narrative among the Africans, especially the East Africans, and in the post-colonial East Africans, that education is the answer to all their problems. Like, if you just get a degree, everything (laughs) will be fine. Consequently, you have hundreds or thousands of young people in Kampala with college educations and no jobs, because it turns out it's not just an education. There also has to be an economy that can facilitate those people. 
So, so it's still very much the idea, especially people from villages, that they'll pin the whole family's resources, uh, right. resource allocation and hopes on sending usually the oldest child, whether it's a boy or girl, to college. And the hope is if that child gets a degree, it will pull the whole family out of poverty. They'll get a good job, and then they'll have a stable place, and then they can help the rest of the family or help put their, their brothers and sisters through school or whatever. And that happens some. But what happens then is if you have a girl who goes to school and she becomes pregnant, all the pressure, all the social pressure of her family and her society is pushing her. Now, in Uganda, abortion is technically illegal. It's very common, but it's also illegal. There are clinics you can go to. There's, a, there's clinics on campus that you can go to for an abortion. It happens all the time, but it's technically illegal. So a lot of young women feel in this pressure from family and society and, and, and peers to have abortions, irrespective of whether or not they want the baby. So it's, it's really other people, in many cases, pushing them towards this decision. Right. And so we have an organization that does education about abortion. We, do, we, we interview students and ask them how they feel about abortion issues, and then talk to them about abortion procedures and ask if that changes their mind, and often it does. So we see how horrifying some of these practices are. People are like, oh, I don't want that. Right. And, then, and then we also find through clinics and through other mechanisms young women who are in this place who, who would like to have their babies that feel like they can't. And we work on reconciliation with their family, reconciliation with the father of the baby, trying to find other alternatives for these women to bear their children, future employment and long-term stable housing. We do all these things because I don't feel like, I don't feel like just passing laws actually answers any of the problems right, that yeah. we're dealing with in these discussions. No, I, I agree, but you just, you brought up something that, you know, we'll, maybe we have a whole other episode where we talk about this some more because the, there's a lot here. Um, but about women, uh -huh. I, I feel like, you know, young couple have sex and there's the prophylactic, the, the, the breaks, something happens, the woman's pregnant, the man can just walk away. Mm -hmm. He can continue his life. He was going to college, he was doing his thing, whatever, he's fine. The woman, now, mm -hmm. her life is completely going in a completely different direction. I mean, she was going to college and yeah. doing the same thing. They wanted to do the same thing. They both wanted to do you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And now, she has no choice. That's the, Her life is derailed. And the guy can just walk away. So, when we start talking about uh, feminism and, and sort of equality for mm -hmm. women, it gets... It's another thing to think about is, you know, um, isn't that supremely unfair that, that, that it's all on the woman? That, yeah. You know. Yeah, it so. is. And it's also supremely unavoidable. Like, even if she has an abortion, it's still on her. Right. It's still she on her emotionally, no, physically. I, it's, right. It's just right. But is. she could go on with her life and continue going to school and continue the, the, the track that she had pictured for herself. Not to say that derailments aren't wonderful things every now, you know, I mean, I, I don't know. I'm just saying, it's just another thing to think about is the fact that, that this is only a women's uh, yeah. a decision that, that women have to make, and that, that kind of sucks. And there's also other issues in regards to women about sex-selective abortions that women are being, you know, like, in certain parts of the world, the most dangerous words are, it's a girl, because sex-selective abortions right, yeah. are still a very common thing in large parts of the world, and that's its own that adds its own layer yeah, of moral no. complexity. 
All right. Well, we we need to wrap it up, but um, I think we talk about this some more, man, because there's good. there's some good stuff here. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I love you. Love you too. Thanks. Sure. All right. So uh, it's been a week since a week. our very first episode. We talked about abortion, and um, you know how you have those conversations where. Uh, after the conversation, you're like, oh man, I wish I had said this. In the shower, you're yeah. like, I wish I would have. <laughs> yeah. so, Next um, time, I'm going to say this. Yeah. So, uh, you know, I had a couple showers between uh, last time and, and now. At least one. Smell nice. <laughs> and uh, so I, I just, I wrote down actually just some thoughts that I had for you and a couple things I wanted to clarify about, about my own um, position. Can I start? Sure. One, I only had one thought, and it wasn't so much about the issue because I, I, I didn't run into any major unexpected detours in our conversation. But, but the thing that I thought about after after we sat down and recorded is I feel like I sounded kind of dumb, especially about like the evolution piece. I don't know if we kept that in or not. But well, yeah, we did. But you you were very clear that you it's this not something my, that you haven't studied. Yeah, but that but the point about that that's really fascinating to me is that. There's all kinds of things like that that we feign a position on when we don't really know. Right. Like, uh, I, I was watching, I don't know if you watch Rebel Media, ever, but they, they have a lot of really good stuff. There's a guy that talks about sense-making and how we often, like, we, we defer our position to someone that we trust as an authority. And that's just a part of life. It's what we right. do. I just don't have a good authority in that right. avenue. To be so honest, I, I was a little surprised uh-huh. about that because usually um, you are very, very, you know, you've thought of pretty much uh-huh. everything. I mean, I come up with a question and then you've really given it a lot of thought. Um, the anti-vaxxer thing, I'm just, you know, I think to myself, oh my, what kind of a person, what, mm-hmm. an, what an idiot, who would not do that? And then I, I ask you why you don't, we'll talk about it in a future uh, episode, uh, and your, your answer is thoughtful and provoking and and reasonable and you know so mm-hmm. you you really do seem to have have thought of it so i was i was kind of just surprised that the answer was i i haven't really thought about mm-hmm. it but but um well so there's categories like i i feel the same way about a, a a slew of issues that i know what the standard positions are and where right. those positions come from but i don't have a vested and you interest. don't want to say that without yeah. your own yeah. digging so so that's the one thought i had what were um, yours? So I, well, I just, just really some some uh, clarification thing, and some of them I, I feel like I already know what mm-hmm. you're gonna say, but when we we talked about um, abortion as being murder, mm-hmm. like you know you were pretty clear that it is straight up killing children. Yeah. And when I, so in, in thinking that I thought about, you know, when you uh, abort a baby at five weeks, ten weeks, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, we, we talked about sort of the, the development Range, process, but yeah. let's say it's on the low side. Yeah. And, you know, or, or, or even even more provocative, I suppose, let's say that the, we do an in vitro fertilization and then you throw away 26 eggs. Okay, uh-huh. so those are 26 fertilized eggs that are now gone. And for you to, if you, if you think of that as murder, in your mind, is there a difference between what just happened there and say like the Sandy Hook massacre where somebody came in and shot a bunch of school kids. So are those 20 some children equivalent to 20 some fetuses in an in vitro clinic? Yeah, I mean and then and and then my second part to that question is who's is the doctor the murderer? Mm-hmm. I mean the person that that disposes of 
and they don't always get thrown away. They give to research scientists or whatever. Frozen, you know, they get whatever. Used. Yeah, but is the doctor in the same level as that mentally ill child who yeah. who shot up everybody? And so tell me what you think about that. Well, I think that I think that thought experiments like that are useful to a certain degree. So let's create another one. Let's say, for instance, you're in an in vitro clinic and there's a fire, and you can save a three-year-old who happens to be in the room or a vial of a hundred fetuses is the three-year-old more important than the vial of a hundred fetuses. And that thought experiment is interesting because what they do is they test the limits of our, of our rationale. I think that, I think that it's the, the problem with those thought experiments is that they tend towards a false dilemma. And, and the false dilemma would be if you choose the three-year-old over the hundred vial, the vial of a hundred fetuses, that, that that somehow implies that you can't distinguish that, that the fetuses could be life. They could be life in a, in a, in a lesser sense. They're a life without attachment to parents and memories and the pain of burning through a fire and all of those things. So the quality and another version of a thought experiment would be you can, you're in a hospital and there's a fire and you can save a person who's an invalid or a person with 19 children waiting outside for them. What do you do? Well, it's a horrible decision to make, but we can, it's the, it's the, it's the boat experiment, you know, three people get on the boat who gets to go like that. Measuring the value of life is different is a different proposition than what is life, and I feel like the question about this particular issue is where does where does life begin, and why should that matter? But my question to you is if life begins at conception, mm -hmm. which is your position, then is life life is life is life is life so is that three-year-old and that fetus who the, the conceived fetus exactly the same or do you also take into account and because that that's what yeah. i do i mean uh, you know t t to me I, I don't really feel like there's life until you're you know born uh, maybe even until you're self-aware which doesn't happen until you're a few years old you know i mean that it, it's sort of hard to say um you know to me i i think uh and it's funny, I said this and Sarah, my wife Sarah said, don't, don't say that. If, if, a, if an infant is killed and a, and a nine-year-old is killed, I feel worse about the nine-year-old. The nine-year-old has some life experience and has, has attachments and, I, and has a personality that we've grown to love. And, we, you know, we, uh, it's become something more. An infant, you know, a baby becomes an infant and starts to talk, and then it and then it starts to become self-aware, and then it gets a personality, and then it gets enough, its first opinion on its own, you know, uh -huh. and I, it gets more and more valuable to me as it goes along. Well, I think the proposition of value is the problem. I think nine years of experience is more to lose than nine months, but I don't, but I don't think that that should be a value proposition, and I think. That gets back to the broader issue. If, if it's an individual's life in the womb before it's born, to value that life, to make decisions that say this life is not worth whatever protection, human dignity, whatever the case may be, but this life is, that's where as humans we make really, really bad choices. Right. And so for, for me, my, my premise is based on 
if it's life, then it's worth protecting. And that doesn't have to mean that it's the same kind of life right, or the okay. same quality of life or the same right. connection of life. So to as... be clear, you're going to save the three-year-old and not yes. the vial. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Um, and then an interesting sort of side note is that these, these thought experiments are very valuable and yeah. they become real. For instance, we're talking about um, automated cars, right? Mm -hmm. Cars that, that are driving mm -hmm. around on their own. And these cars are going to be able to make calculations, you know, in a split yeah. second. And, and one time, you know, one day, this car is going to be veering out of control and there's going to be a 10-year-old child and an 80-year-old woman and the car is going to make a decision. Do I hit the child? Do I hit the woman? Or a or, group of children or ditch the car and kill the driver. Right, you know. And then you get into like, oh, are the rich people going to be able to override the system? Hey, make sure it uh, favors well, you the know driver, they will. you know. So, yeah, we're getting... But, but anyway, this philosophical, these thought experiments are... Somebody's going to have to program that car. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, maybe, maybe you know, it's going to be so fast that they'll be able to see if this person has a criminal record. Or this person's <laughs> a child pedophile. I mean, you know. Yeah. Who knows? That's a but, brave but, new world. But you're good. The, the, we're going to have to start making these decisions, you know, and the decision Evaluating is going to be life. right. We're going to take care of the three-year-old and we're going to let the one-month-old die because the three-year-old has formed more of an attachment, for, you know. Uh, that makes so. me uncomfortable. It makes, it makes everybody uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. it, it should make you uncomfortable. I mean, that's, you know. Um, and I wanted to clarify, too, we, we talked a lot about, you know, when life starts and everything and about fetuses and... Um, I wanted to say, if a fetus isn't life, like if it isn't a uh, an individual creature, uh -huh. you know. Uh -huh. So, in other words, to 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 destroy a fetus in the mother, um, if I don't think it's murder, what what do I think that is? Uh -huh. And to me, I feel like the fetus is a part of the mother until it is separated from the mother, which. A little weird with the partial birth abortion thing, because that's yeah. horrific and horrible to think about. But I just feel like it's a part of the mother, and we don't have any sort of right to say what that mother does with her own body, right? You can't force somebody to remove a cancer or tell them they can't pierce their nose or, you know, you, you cut their ears to look like Spock. I mean, you know, whatever. It's like, even if it's destroying part of their body, you it's not up to you to, to, to say that. So I feel like, me personally, that it's a part of the woman and that the woman should be able to decide about her own body and that it is not uh, an, a, an individual creature until it is separated from... The, I, I the feel like that's community. a necessary conclusion for your position. It has to be that way. And that, so, so what that means is that that's either the, 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 that's the fulcrum of the argument. So that's either the vulnerability of your position or the strength of it. Because if it's not, like... If you're if if we make by way of analogy, you know, removing a tumor or or cutting off uh, an amputation or whatever the case may be, or piercing your ear, or whatever. If it is her body, then if if then it's under her autonomy. But if it's not, if it's a discrete individual, neurologically, spiritually, metaphysically, right. and that doesn't apply to you. But if in some sense it's not then all of that argument goes away. Right. And, and, to, and I feel like it, the weakest part of that position is to make the delineation what Roe versus Wade made the delineation in viability. 
like if it could survive outside of the womb, because there's so many problems with that argument. Like, is a person in a coma not a person? Is a person on a breathing machine not a person? Is a person that needs right. feeding tube not a person? Well, is a person that needs dialysis not a person? Well, it's interesting that you say that. What about somebody who 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 is on a feeding tube and his and his lungs are being kept alive by a machine, but they're essentially brain dead? I mean, they're alive and mm -hmm. that everything's moving. Do you, are you opposed to turning off the machine? Not necessarily. Uh, I think that artificial life at a certain point has more risks and problems and like if there's I, the way that the way I, the, that I understand that those medical decisions have been made in the past is if there's no whatever they consider conscious brain activity then it's an open discussion of whether or not you sustain life mechanically but to put people in a place where they for for whatever indeterminate amount of time they're just a shell yeah I don't know that that qualifies for life I think I think that those are horrible decisions that should be made by the people who love them. Yeah, I mean, that's my personal nightmare. Yeah. My nightmare is that I am... A vegetable. ...just being kept alive for the sake of being alive. You know, I just, uh, you know, to me, quality of life is, is, is life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, if I can't take part in my life, I mean, even if it's just my brain and I can blink and play chess with you, that's, yeah, that's something. something. That, you know, that's, to me, that's okay. Um, but if you, or, you know, if I can blink and tell you I, I want to die, yeah. I'm not okay with this, then, you know... But if there's not even that, then why would you care? Well, right, except that be, because I don't know what happens when we die, and I uh -huh. don't know what goes on, I don't, you know, I don't want to be in a state of torture. Yeah. You know, I don't want to be in a state of constant agonizing pain. Yeah. Um, you know, I have this sort of nightmare that, that, that I've... You're like paralyzed. Then I'm completely paralyzed, and I and I can't tell people what's wrong. I uh, can't say, and people are trying making decisions about me and for me, and it just it's this really horrible feeling. There's a so where I've touched on this issue the closest is with we've had several premature babies, and and with our premature babies we've had problems with prematurity even before the children are born. So some so <clears throat> excuse me. Some of our children, we've started having trouble at 19, 20 weeks, which is the, it's not even the threshold of viability. And so we've, we've, and we've walked with other families of preemie children who have had 20 something weekers and, you know, they're born into a life of surgery and pain and, and, and misery and some of them die. And that's a, that when you evaluate that as a, as a parent, what what would you want? And it's a new question to ask in our era. Like the right. question of uh, sustaining people with breathing machines and feeding tubes is a relatively new phenomenon. And the idea of trying to decide what to do with a 26 week old baby, do you do, you do invasive procedures right. and, and surgery after surgery and it doesn't have human touch and it's just in yeah. an isolate? At, at what cost life, you know? That's right. Is it, you know, life is precious and life is a breath of God, but is being tortured every minute yeah. of your life, is that something? I mean, I can't imagine that's what God would want. Yeah, it's something that we have to consider now, I think, in a way that nobody yeah. ever did before. I heard there was a, there was a podcast I listened to, there was a, they asked people about end-of-life care. They asked people on the street and they asked doctors at a, at a medical conference. And all the people said, keep me alive as long as I'm not in pain. And all the doctors, uh, I'm overstating, but it was, this was the point. All the doctors said, let me go. As long as, just give me pain pills and let me, give me yeah, pain exactly, control and let yeah. me die. 
because the people in the medical field know these people being kept alive for years or months or weeks at a time and for no avail except for people's emotions and their family it's a bad it's a bad way to go yeah well it's interesting to hear you say that since a lot of these people make these decisions based on their religion you know based on well well see i don't feel like like if there's a i don't feel like artificial sustaining is is an is a moral necessity yeah, I'm glad that it's available for some people when it's an appropriate decision, but I don't feel like it's a moral necessity. Yeah. I'm kind of a naturalist in that regard. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad I live in the scientific era, but I'm, but I, I very much appreciate creation and the created order, and the idea that we're living to yeah. 90, 100, 110 on machines and stuff doesn't sound like a good idea to me. Do you have a DNR? Um, I don't, but I should. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I was thinking about just getting a tattoo on me. <laughs> if then, you could find room, they would. Yeah. They to, you'd have to put I, it on your yeah, forehead. No question here. I don't want there to be any sort of question. Um, so another question I had for you is uh, stem cell research. Um, if uh, I assume you're opposed to that, since it's, we're talking about. Um, I feel like it's another issue that I don't know much about. What I had, yeah. what the one thing that I had heard is that they have learned how to mutate cells into stem cells without having to take, without having to develop them out of fetal tissue. Right. I, I don't know right. how true that is or well, what it just, affects. Yeah, and I don't know if it, if the genesis was fetal tissue and they have become that, so that's yeah, still counting. I don't know either. But let's say that we're talking about fetal tissue, uh-huh. and you have uh, one of your. Uh, uh, 11 beautiful children has some sort of a heart condition and is going to die uh-huh. and they somebody says hey we can grow a heart out of you know using his cells and stem cells and his body won't reject it we can just replace his heart and it'll be his heart um what do you what do you think i mean you know if somebody else if, if a fetus had to die i think maybe we're talking about the same question about the three-year-old and the, i mean maybe yeah. you save your son because your son is I, and i don't know how far you daughter. get away you know that's one of my that's one of the one of the moral arguments about vaccines is that several of them are developed from aborted fetal lines and and i reject those out of hand regardless of their efficacy over that issue how far away do you get from that that it doesn't matter i don't i don't know uh I think it's an open moral concern, and it, and 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 it we're ha- going to talk about vaccines be. because I do have as a whole specific, separate issue. Yeah, because yeah. I do have very specific questions about yeah about that. Um, so maybe we'll kick yeah. that one down the kick yeah. that can down the road a little okay. bit. Um, I have a friend who um, became pregnant and uh, late into a pregnancy. Um, she learned that this child has a horrible d- disorder that um, the doctor basically said this child will die there is no question that this child will live it will die and it will die within days of being born and it will be extraordinarily painful and difficult and it will live a very very short life of absolute torture and misery so she decided to abort this child and I and actually had to go to some other, like Kentucky or something, I don't remember, but some state that allowed late term, you know, the term where she was at that late term mm-hmm. abortion so that she could do this. To me, I feel like that was the right decision to make simply because, you know, quality of life versus just plain life. Um, I guess the question for you is, is, is abortion ever okay? You know, is, is there, like in that situation, 
Well, really... and the, maybe the, the, the other species of that argument would be health of the mother. Yes, if a mother is, you know, if it comes down to we either abort the baby and the, and the mother, we abort the baby and the mother lives or the baby's born and the mother dies. Uh -huh. The mother has six children. Do you abort the baby so that the mother can take care of these children or not? Yeah. Do we leave, you know? I think those questions are more like the, 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 the three-year-old or the vial of fetuses. Okay. I think that w we can evaluate life and the potential of life and not negate life. I like but to I, hear that. I feel like that's reasonable. I mean, I, I just, I feel like a lot of pro-life is just like no abortion, no matter what, period. If you're raped, if you're, you know, I, I mean. I feel like there's horrible propaganda on both sides of this issue. Yeah. I, I listen to some pro-life stuff and I'm like, what? You people are crazy. Yeah. And I listen to some pro-abortion stuff, pro-choice stuff, and I'm like, you people are crazy. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, it drives me yeah, nuts. I feel like some more ration and reason and sympathy in the discourse okay. is certainly warranted. I, 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 but let me say this also, those kinds of cases are such an astronomical rarity. For sure. That, yeah. that if we kept them in that category, I'd be much happier. If we weren't making public policy for hundreds of thousands of abortions based on that kind of very, very right. specific case that's very, very rare, I, I think that makes more sense. I can tell you... <laughs> Like if I was your friend, I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't abort. And I, I know that that's a difficult decision. I've, I've had many children and we've had many problems and I just, I trust in, I, how do I say it? How do I, how would I articulate it? I don't feel like I have the the moral calculus, the ability to make that decision and choose to end the life of my child. Is that because, despite what the doctor says, you don't know that that child will? That's a part of it, and 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 I don't know that that for I I don't know what it would mean. Like I'd have to know the specifics of what that case looked like, but I, like I I can imagine a scenario where where my wife had a child that we knew wouldn't live and holding it and being there with it until it dies. That that's better for mother, for father, and yeah. for baby than for a doctor to sh stab it in the base of its skull at, at right. late I mean, in I, life. I uh, am a photographer and I, I actually uh, worked for a company called Now I Lay Me Down to Sleep. Uh -huh. And we took photographs of the mother and the child when the child was going to be stillborn, uh -huh. or we knew that the child wasn't going to live more than a few hours. In a few cases, the child would be born, and then I would leave the room, and when the child died, I would come in and take pictures uh -huh. with the Boy, mother. It's such a sweet and thing to do. It is, a, it is a wonderful thing, and people think it's macabre, but I mean, it, the, I think it's beautiful. You have this child. I mean, yeah. you carry this thing for nine yeah. months, and you have. A record. This is the record of, yeah. of, you know. So and and so you know. Isn't that a testimony of the life though that people care so much that they want yeah, that? Yeah, you know, I agree. But there are some people that don't want that, and that's sure. That's, that's sort of what we're talking about. But that's different than knowing that there will be pain. You know, knowing that there will be absolute pain. I mean, if you were to ask me, would I rather have a screwdriver shoved in my skull and die in five seconds, or would I rather have three days of torture? 
So you know? let me let me ask this way: If you knew that one of your children at the age of twenty-three was going to have some horrible terminal disease and be miserable for three months and then die, would you still value their life? Would you still have wanted them to live? They're twenty-three years old. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if the doctor said, oh, your your child's going to live for three months and then have three days of torture and die, I mean, you know, now we're talking about, yeah. It's a different I mean, that's a crystal ball situation, but yeah. but, but again, that that's a value. You know, 23 years is a relationship that I will forever be able to, to you know, remember and talk about and think about. And I would imagine, oh, this is what my child would say and what mm-hmm. would do cause, because I know this person. A uh, fetus is, is just, I mean, everybody's like, oh, look at my baby, isn't it cute? Well, it's a little wrinkled peanut. They all, <laughs> yeah, sure, it's cute. I mean, they're all kind of that way. And it, and it has no personality. It's devoid of anything until it gets a little bit of, uh, you know, living happening. <laughs> um, anyway, the, the last thing that I, I want to say, me personally, mm-hmm. is uh, being pro-life does not mean that I... And pro necessarily, choice. sorry, being pro-choice doesn't necessarily mean... Cause it wasn't that we, easy. <laughs> we talked about how I don't care about life. You know, yeah, I'm yeah, anti-life. Being pro-choice does not mean I'm pro-abortion. I, I don't enjoy the prospect of that. I don't like the idea. For me, I would prefer that people not get abortions. I would prefer that people not have get pregnant in the first place, right? If we could do anything we can do so that you don't have to make that that horrible decision. Either way, it doesn't matter what happens your life is altered yeah you know you have a baby your life is altered you have an abortion your life is altered i mean yeah. you know there's nothing so uh i'm not for oh yeah you just have sex and then if you get pregnant ah, you can have an abortion that's not how i feel uh-huh. at all so i just i think very few people do i think the crazy pro-choice faction maybe but i think that that what you said is what most people that are on the pro-choice choice side of the argument would say I would say in response to that, though, that that's exactly my point. The fact that, that, the, the fact that it's not a medical procedure, the fact that it's not like getting remo- an ingrown toenail removed, the fact that it's not like getting your ear pierced, that it's not just like a menses where you're sloughing off the inside of your uterus, the fact that it's not that is the indicator to me morally that there's more there than her body and her choice. But the fact that it's a bad thing that you would have an abortion. Right. Right. I mean, I think it's a bad thing. Yeah, an early term abortion, super early, to me, it is like a sloughing off of a menstrual cycle. I mean, you know, it's not much more than that in my mind uh-huh. to me. Um, but I, I just, I appreciate that a woman will spend the rest of her life thinking, you know, oh, you know, could have been a child, or, uh-huh. or, or I mean, or maybe, maybe they, maybe she wouldn't. I don't know. I mean, it just depends on who you are. Yeah. Um, I'm not a woman, and I don't uh, understand that. I mean, I, you know, I just, I, I've, you know, we've talked, we talked about this last week about how I just feel it's kind of unfair that, that sort of all this is on the mother. I mean, the mother is mm-hmm. the one that has to make this, to, these, these, these uh, decisions that are, are terrible, you know, you know, terrifying yeah. and, and difficult. So. Well, it's a good wrap up. I'm glad we did that. Yeah. Awesome. So...